Trevor, and on behalf of myself, Lauren, and Leo, welcome to the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 301. And reminder before we get going here, if you'd like to watch the video version of the Boo Crew, you can actually do that with our show on Bloody Disgusting TV. It's available on Roku, Sling, Vizio, Smartcast, and more. It is pretty much just like this, except you get to see our smiling faces. Talk to your favorite people who are way more cooler than we are. It is being called one of the best horror films of the year. It's in theaters now. Sean Ellis's beautiful and haunting The Cursed. On an all-new episode of The Boo Crew, you are hanging out with one of the film stars. Award-winning actor, writer, and director Boyd Holbrook. We get into his love of the genre and his perspective of the unique and incredibly atmospheric world cast in this 18th century creature feature that should not be missed. Take a look into the monster itself, the original spin on a classic tale, and how it's all brought to life in some very impressive practical effects artistry. With tons more stuff on the way from Boyd, including the upcoming Sandman, we will definitely be talking to this guy again soon. So talented and such an incredibly cool guy. Episode 301 with Boyd Holbrook is now playing. There's a manor house. They've sent for me regarding their son who's gone missing. It may be connected to what you've been looking for. Did the girl see what attacked them? What's happening here? The land's been cursed. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining the Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio is a phenomenal award-winning actor, writer, and director. He's been entrusted with the stories from the best of the best, the most celebrated creators of our lifetime, including Gus Van Zandt, Steven Soderbergh, David Fincher, Vera Farmiga, and Rob Reiner. Been a part of Emmy-winning TV shows that have quickly become classics among them, Behind the Candelabra, The Big C, and Netflix's smash hit Narcos. His talent and versatility has thrust him into pop culture history, the stuff kids dream about while playing make-believe, hanging out with Wolverine and the unforgettable Logan, tracking down the Predator for the guys who created the fucking Monster Squad, right? Fred Decker and Shane Black. And most recently, jumping into Neil Gaiman's The Sandman and the fifth film in the Indiana Jones franchise. It literally does not get better than this. And just when you think he couldn't be any cooler, his latest is being called one of the best horror films of the year. It is a beautiful film by the name of The Cursed. At time of release, it's in theaters February 18th. We are honored to welcome its star, Boyd Holbrook. Yeah. yeah. Uh, introduction. <laughs> Who do I have to pay for that? <laughs> Dude, thank you so much for being here, man. And congrats on the film. Oh, absolutely. Uh, God bless you for that. That was, that was, um, I'm smitten. Thank you. 
More than well deserved, dude. It's a very yeah. impressive what the trajectory yeah. you've managed to create for yourself. Do you find is anything? Is there any guiding light for you in terms of projects you're looking for and and how all these things have kind of manifested and you've managed to bring them towards you? Uh, you know, it's 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 like Einstein said. He may not be the best mathematician, but uh, he sticks with the problems the longest. And I really. You know, uh, I really relate to that. Uh, I always, I look for people who are uh, the master of their own universe because you can get eaten alive mm -hmm. in, in, uh, in this industry, in this, in this job, being a director. Um, so I, I was, I've been a big fan of Sean Ellis's work for a while. We got in contact when he was making Anthropoid and it just didn't work out for that film. And, but nonetheless, I remain, you know, a devotee. And uh, I heard he was making a new film. And I was like, oh, okay, what is it? He's, it's a horror film. And I was like, my wife's going to love that. Uh, let's, let's, <laughs> let's invest and, and partake. So are you and your wife fans of the genre? Oh, absolutely. We'll watch pretty much anything. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Going back to like the very beginning, just speaking for yourself, what do you remember as like one of your earliest horror film experiences as a viewer? Oh, you know, I, I, I grew up with the Freddy Kruegers and the Michael Myers and, you know, getting like a Freddy Krueger glove was, I think my, I don't know how my dad got me that, but that just blew my mind. And, that, and you know, that was the exorcist days. That was like, uh, what is the other one with the girl on the TV? Uh, Poltergeist. Poltergeist. Yep. That's some scary shit. And then you got the burbs. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, the burbs. of course. Yeah. Just as epic. Yeah, man. I love all those films. Um, me, and my, me and my wife, we, uh, we were constantly like scouring the internet for something like Korean films or whatever. It's just that feeling, you know, you, there's, there's something, of course, going to the movies, having a laugh or something like that. But there's nothing better or worse, you know, in the, the anticipation of like waiting for that scare. So we love that. Is there any films that you've seen recently or maybe, you know, let, let's do this. Are there any films that you watched in anticipation of starting the filming process of the cursed? Anything that you watched to kind of get yourself in the mindset at all? Um, you know, I really just got a bunch of old medical books and just started tearing pages out of those and plastering them on the wall. I got a great voice coach. So we broke down, you know, uh, the dialect, the accent, started working on that, beating that up. Uh, and just, I think really for me, I'm pretty nostalgic about anything before 1895, you know, just, I think like civilization just went off at that point. And, uh, you know, I grew up in, you know, central Appalachia, Eastern Kentucky, it's a pretty rural place as well. And I, I think there's just something that I really and, and yeah, nostalgic about just like that, that type of living, that survival day to day where, you know, we have so much free time and luxury that we can ask ourselves, like, what is, who am I? Who am I? You know, back then people didn't have the, the, the time for that. It was just like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make it past 30. Watch. <laughs> right. There's no distractions back then, man. And talking about that, I mean, you do such a fantastic job 
of vanishing into all the characters you play. And you, you do that by combining a wide range of things, as you're saying, a dialect, working on the cadence of speech and, and all that. And there's body movement, adjusting the intensity of your overall approach to find its own place to whatever world you're playing in. You're a master of that. But I, I think one of the most powerful things that you're able to do, and I feel like it's what pulls us into John McBride here the most, is you're able to tap in to empathy. And I'm wondering, what are the things that you do, maybe even outside of being on set, to allow yourself to kind of open yourself up to daily life that lets you tap into things like empathy so eloquently, uh, and for the most part, on demand when it comes to starting a film and bring these words to life? Where are you drawing that from? Ah, uh, yeah, that's a really good question. You know, I think you got to have a lot of empathy if even if you just want to be an actor. Um, because you have, you can't really judge people. You can't, um, if you want to play a bad guy or, you know, let's just call it some generic term, like a bad guy, you know, that's good for other people to see. So they know not to go there that, you know, the human, uh, persona, the soul can, can, can behave in a, a wide variety of ways. And it's, it's your job to reflect that, of humanity. And I also look at it like I'm not a part of society. Society is a part of me. Like I have all of society in me as do you, as does everybody. We have all these particular parts. And I guess I'm on a, an epic quest of just kind of exploring that and, and trying to grow and, and, and never get really settled in a certain like line of thinking or, the way of being, you know, just way of being, I, I just want to be open and, and really grow because life is about experience and I want to have as much experience as possible. The Boo Crew will be right back. Silent madness, a terrifying suspense filled voyage into the dark places of the mind. Inside your head, the screaming never stops. Silent Madness in 3D. Rated R. Working with uh, Sean Ellis on this film, was it ever discussed with him the story of the werewolf creature? The version that we see in this film is quite different from the countless others made over the years. Is this uh, variation something from actual European lore? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was from the uh, Beast of Javadon, which is a, a, a well-documented tragedy that happened in uh, south of France where about 80 people mysteriously were just like, torn apart over a few years and they never really found out what happened. And it wasn't obviously some, you know, human person doing all this stuff. So it was, it was there's so, it's always nice to have something that's at least you can, you know, kind of fall back on like this, you know, this, this, this happened rather than, you know, suspending belief um, with, with, with horror films, which you have to do sometimes and all for, uh, you know, the good love of getting a, getting a shock and a scare. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Sean Ellis, man, 
just brilliant uh, Oscar nominated and uh, he's at the helm here not only as writer director but cinematographer as well and it all feels so immersive because of that I think and he retains so much control over all of our senses and he paints the intensity of everything going on so beautifully (laughs) what do you feel it is about you know, after having seen the work, experiencing what you did on set, about the mechanics of how he shows us this world and the voice of the camera itself that makes this journey so unique and terrifying. It's his experience. Um, you know, there's always got to be a learning curve. Usually directors are like heavy handed with like, I'm really good with actors or I'm like, I'm really good with like my technical filmmaking. And Sean has a a really good sense of both, but he has a deeper background of, of just photography in general. He's, he's a, a master of that. And there's an intimacy that happens because rather than a director coming in off from set, uh, he's behind the lens and kind of poking out and just talking to you. So there's this uh, flow that happens and you're in a, just in an environment where all that can happen. And he sets that up. Um, so there's not any debating on the day of like, Oh, I don't know if you would do that. You know, there's none of that stuff. It's all kind of worked out. Sean's Sean's the type of guy. If you want something done, right. You do it yourself. And that's what Sean. <laughs> yeah. The camera in this movie is uh, unflinching. I mean, it, it, when things get intense, it wants to show you everything and forces you to not just see the action itself, but almost feel the inhumanity of those actions. And I think that's one of the things that that are getting people to talk about this film so much and saying it's one of the best horror films of the year is it captures the emotion behind that so, so well. And again, through performance as well, what you guys are doing is uh, to bring it alive. It's just exceptional. As far as building the world, where are we? I mean, is it a exterior village that they actually built was it there before how much of that is inside sound stages what was the kind of illusion behind all that yeah really not not only one little setup going through the woods was actually in a sound stage uh just yeah just i don't know why but um but it was only like one day but so sean lives near near cognac um france with his wife who's, who's french and they have a little modest house there and have a little quiet life in a small little village. Um, Sean drove to work every day. And it's in the, it's in this um, wine vineyards of, of cognac where they make cognac and champagne is down the road and uh, all these great, you know, wine vineyards. And so it has like the Smoky Mountains, for example, it has that humidity comes off that those the foliage and it just creates this this blanket of fog up until about noon every day so it's pretty eerie it's it's got all that and i think um sean's a visual guy so he just he went with the motion rather than trying to go away f- against the 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 grind the Against the, against the grain of, you know, building these elaborate sets. We just found an old chateau that was abandoned, rented it. Um, you know, it was a small crew. It was just people there who really love cinema. That's, that's amazing, dude. It's astounding to know, actually, as a viewer, too, man. Yeah, there's a great uh, autopsy scene in this movie where you're cutting into a creature and uh, a surprise is revealed. How was that practical effect uh, achieved? Were you actually cutting into something? 
we were, there was a lot of uh, silicone and, and stuff like that, but a lot, a lot, I mean, a lot of people were mentioning that particular scene because it is pretty surreal and it was pretty surreal to see um, because it's like we did, we did about 90% um, uh, special effects in camera, meaning that there's puppeteers or animatronics of the, of the beast. And then, you know, there's a, probably a film or, or something that they put over that to give it a, I don't know, a certain sheen or something like that. But rather than, you know, the tennis ball and the broomstick over here, look at this dot. So it just makes a huge difference. And I know that you can, you can, you can see that in the, in the finished product. Yeah, definitely. So the, yeah, the, so the creature you're saying was like basically a puppet for the most part. It was a practical creature throughout the film. Yeah. It was animatronics. You got a guy on like basically a, little remote controller and does one thing and the remote controller does another thing on that one. What would you say would be something that you learned about your own approach or just in general that you took away from this experience? This could be something that maybe, I mean, you've been talking about this movie since the Sundance premiere, right? Mm -hmm. Even through talking about it, is there something that you've kind of, Oh yeah. You know, I have a new different perspective on this now. Uh, I think it, it just goes, to show like the value of the filmmaker to be as, as transparent as possible, you know, experience and, and all that really does make a, a difference. And, you know, I've, I feel like I've had the full experience of working with first time filmmakers, which I'm absolutely open to and all that, but really the individual who is making this film and, and if they can, if they are, sort of an unbreakable person to, to carry on what they want to make. I look for that really in their personality because, uh, and trusting your gut. There's been films before where it's like, yeah, you know, you, you kind of get talked into them more so, or, or it's just, an, you know, you, you literally need the work and you need to make money just like everybody else in the world. And uh, just, yeah, just really trust my gut and, you know, I've been sort of been doing this for a while and starting to define my footing. And was there anything that you got to keep as a memento from the set costume piece? One of those cool set of teeth, maybe. <laughs> I may or may not have a couple bullets lying. Around. Very cool. Very nice. cool. I love that, dude. I love it. Nice. And as we wrap up here, man, is there uh, an existing horror franchise that you'd love uh, a piece in somehow, a role or or anything to do with? You know, I love what. David Gordon Green and Brandon James and Danny McBride and all those guys at Rough House are doing with uh, Halloween. That was pretty great. Um, I like, like, um, I don't know. I think doing like a zombie comedy horror film would be fun. I like something like that. Yeah, yeah. Were you yeah, a fan of like Shaun of the Dead? Did you like? Uh, did you like that movie? <laughs> Yeah, big time. <laughs> it's killer, man. <laughs> awesome, yeah. dude. Well, man, thank you so much for your time. We're, we're such huge yes. fans, and you did so great yeah. on the awesome. film. And congrats, man. A tremendous achievement, man. And we can't wait to see what's next. We know it's coming. Yes. We know it's coming. Yeah. And we're going to have you right back to talk about it, too. I look, I look forward to it, guys. Thanks for all the support. Really, really. Thanks. Awesome, man. Take it easy. Thank you. See you guys. That was the Boot Crew Podcast, episode 301. Special thanks to our guest, Boyd Holbrook. At time of release, his new film, The Cursed, is in theaters now. Production tracks for this one provided by Power Man 5000. 
Till next time, this is Trev for the Boo Crew saying, sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the bloody disgusting Podcast Network. Bye. A bloody disgusting podcast network. Home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews. SCP archives. Weekly full cast storytelling. Horror queers. Genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective. And creepy. For disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.